But I'm excited today as I was praying and doing my quiet time this past week as I was often just praying and meeting with the Lord. I feel like I got a, an on-time word for us. I hope you're excited and anticipating for God to move and speak to you in a real way today. And so I'm excited too. The title of our message, we're going to have a standalone message today, but you're blessed being here. The title of our message today is Life Sentence. Somebody say, oh, snap. Oh, snap. If you got a neighbor, ask him this. Say, what's your sentence? What's your sentence? Amen. I'm excited to dive into God's word and his plan and his purpose for us, and I feel like, in a lot of ways, the American church, there are great churches, this is like anything, there are great churches, there are bad churches, and I'm not trying to bash churches, I hope and pray we're, we're a faithful church, but I feel like in a lot of ways, we've almost kind of lowered the standard a little bit of what God says it means to be a child of God, a believer, a Christian. Right, because we have churches, we're one of these churches. Come as you are, right? If it, just come as you are and God will meet with you. God meet with you no matter where you are, okay? But we almost use that as a little excuse in my back pocket, right? Because God loves me just as I am. Then why do I really need to change, right? We almost have this little excuse in our back pocket. Or if I'm at work, you know, God loves me just the way I am. So, you know, maybe I'll cut corners, or my relationships, I can cut corners. And so this message is really going to be a, a back to the basics, I guess, so to speak, of, of what the gospel really says, of what it means to be a child of God. With much, where much is given, much is required. Did you know that? God gave his best for us. And so, God, he wants, he wants to, to minister to you today, but he, he wants your relationship with him to be the pinnacle of, of everything in your life, right? He wants us to be able to give him our best on the daily. I'm not saying we're, gonna, we're all going to fall down. We're all going to fail at times. We're going to miss it. But it's that, it's that relationship that you have in your life that real tangible relationship with him that says, you know what, because God gave me his life. He took my place. He gave me his life. You know what, whatever he's asking me to do, no matter how painful, how hard, I want to be armed with a yes. Right? I want to be armed with a yes. And the Lord was showing me the, to experience his life, his full life. We're going to talk about his eternal life and his abundant life that Jesus promises us. The Lord was just showing me the way to stay the course is the thankfulness. Who remembers that day you got born again, right? Born again. When, when the Lord ministered to you, you say, you know what? I need to change the way that I'm living. And you experience that real love of God. It's in that moment that you experience God and that thankfulness that, Jesus, you would die on the cross for me so that I would not have death, but that I would have life, Right? And we're excited maybe for a season. We're excited for a couple weeks, for a couple months. God, hear me. God wants you to be excited about your relationship with him every day. And if what he's done for us is really that real, shouldn't we be excited? Right? Even in the tough seasons and the tough places, 
God wants us, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm going to show you today what Jesus says about taking up our cross just as he did so that we can remain thankful. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful that God saved a, a, a helpless, hopeless drug addict and turned me into what I am into today. And he's not done. He's just getting started. He's just getting started with you today. So I hope you've had a starting place. I hope there's a moment in your life where you say, you know what, that's the day God started something new in me. Right? And when he sentences you to life, guys, life, that's something to be thankful for. I was sentenced to death, and because of Jesus, he sentenced me to life. Come on, somebody. Right? Life for life. Before we dive in, I want to give you a couple of scriptures. One of my, um, I guess, guilty pleasures is listening to true crime. And I like to watch true, true crime uh, TV sometimes. And that stuff is, is kind of scary in a lot of ways. But the Lord kind of used uh, my affection for watching that, consuming that type of stuff sometimes. For this message, and you, you read and hear about some of these people that have done unspeakable horrors, right? Killed, murdered, lied. <clears throat> and they find themselves in a courtroom standing before a judge, right? Y'all know we're all going to stand before an eternal judge one day. Who's ever stood in front of a real judge? <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. That's a pretty sobering feeling, right? When what that judge is about to say when he snaps that gavel, that's, that's what it is. It's final. <clears throat> and the Lord was just showing me a lot of these criminals, murderers, for the sake of sparing themselves the death penalty, their crimes demanded probably a death penalty, they'll give them a plea deal for a life sentence. Now, that life sentence is actually has a negative, right? They're going to be in prison for life. But to spare their life, they plead against the death penalty for a life sentence, right? And the Lord was just showing me that, you know what, there's a lot of Christians. See, deep down in the heart of hearts, we know to live for God, it's going to take honesty and everything within me. And deep down in our hearts, we know that to live for God and experience eternal life, I am going to have to die. And that criminal, for the sake of hiding from death, they'll take a life sentence, guys. But life sentence for you and for me is good news. Because he wants you to have abundant life and eternal life. The thing is, you got to die to self for him. Because he died for you and for me. Right? I want to give you a couple scriptures. And really, I really, they're going to come from John 3 and John chapter 10. I really want to marry these two scriptures for the sake of today. Because they're both red letters. They're both directly spoken from Jesus as we're talking about a life sentence, what it means to be a believer and follower of Christ. And these scriptures are full of good news, but I really want to marry them together because Jesus is speaking about two different types of life. 
Look at this. Look at John 3, 16. I want to give you and 17. I know a lot of you probably know this scripture. have heard it a million times. But isn't this, we said, this, we're going back to the basics. Isn't this kind of the stepping stone for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Right, look, look what he says. So for the, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, someone say everyone. Put that in the chat today if you're watching with us. Everyone who believes, and I want you to underline that word, believes, in him will not perish but have eternal what? Life. There's that word, life. 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Will there be a judgment day? Yes. But before judgment day, God wants you to get right. How? By your faith. How do I have faith? I have to believe in the son that God gave. How did God give him? He offered him up as a sacrifice, crucified for your sins and my sins and your neighbor's sins and every single person's life on the entire planet. God gave him up. The gospel in a nutshell, God gave to save, right? Our responsibility is simply to believe to live. If you want to live, you first have to believe. Upon that revelation of who God is, Something happens inside, and we begin to change the way that we live. We don't just change, a change begins to occur, but God transforms us. He transforms us. Look at John 10. I want to give you verses 9 and 10. You all have heard me quote John 10, 10 all the time, but look what Jesus says in verses 9 and 10. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Okay, so there is a theme in these two verses. He's talking about the salvation that is within him, right? And we'll go in and out and find good pasture. The thief, who is who? The devil, sin, evil. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the Lord was showing me, Jesus came to save your eternal life, your, for your eternal destination. And Jesus also came so that before you die, while you're still alive here in this place, you can experience his abundant life. Who wants some abundancy? Come on, somebody. Do I have any lifers in the house? Oh, come on. Who's been sentenced to life for life, right? Abundancy, that more than you can think, ask, or imagine God has the resources for your prayers, for your needs, for the issue, for the test, for the trial, right? Jesus declares he can save us and we can have abundant life. I want to look at that first point together today. Look what it says. So through faith in Jesus, God has irrevocably, who knows what that means? He can't take it back. What Jesus did on that cross is forever. It's as final as the judge slapping that gavel on the, the, the gavel place. It is forever done, right? He's given us eternal life and abundant life. I hope you get that in your spirit. Something to be thankful for as we move forward in the plan and process that God has for each and every person. No one or thing can take that from us, but, somebody say but, you. Only you can disqualify you from God's goodness. How do we do that? We choose doubt. We choose fear. We choose depression. We choose hurt. We choose failure over faith. It takes faith to believe 
right? Look at that, that last sentence. To receive God's life, you'll have to totally give him yours. We're going to read here in Matthew 10 where Jesus says, to experience his life, you'll have to lose your life. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And doesn't Jesus practice what he preaches? Isn't that what he did on the cross? He freely gave his life so that you could have life. Not based on merit, not based on what you do, your works matter. That happens after you've bought in by faith. When you believe, you'll actually do what God says. He died so that all you have to do is believe in him. And when that happens, now God wants you to submit yourself to him because you've been bought for, paid for, ransomed for. God has paid a penalty so that you and I could experience life with him. By faith, we can have eternal life and abundant life. And I believe this to be true. The level of access that you grant God in your life is the level of access I believe you get from him. Because he gave it all. If you give him your all, then we experience his all. Does that make sense? If you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with an issue in your life, you, we, we have this tendency to compartmentalize our lives, right? Like, God, I'll give you this area, but this, this little thing right here, uh, I'm like holding on like with a death grip, right? Maybe it's forgiveness for somebody else and you're just not ready, but you feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, the time is now. Maybe you're watching or looking at some stuff that's not good for your spirit, man or woman, and God has told you over and you need to quit allowing this stuff into your spirit, but you really secretly deep down and you enjoy it, and it's killing you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so as long as I have these little areas of my life that I'm holding on to with a death grip, it limits the access that God wants to give us in our daily life. Do you see that? But maturity responds. If you can respond to that, that prompting of the Holy Spirit that he wants to do something good in you, it seems like a sacrifice now, and it is going to be at first, but once you lay it down by faith and give it to God, he begins to bless it, and guess what happens? You begin to transform for his glory. And the thing that the enemy was using against you no longer has any power. If you come from addiction, you know that'd be true. If you've been living for and following God, the thing that the enemy was using against you to kill you, you had a death sentence. But because of Jesus, now you have a life sentence. And you've experienced that life and the abundant life. Maybe you didn't. You were like me. You didn't have anything at the end. And then now you have an experience, you're experiencing his abundant life and joy and peace. Look at Matthew 10, 38-39. So I kind of, as we just read John 3 and John 10, those are kind of the building blocks of Christianity, the faith of what it means to be a Christian. 
These words here are a little sobering if we really read them and allow God to minister to us. It says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. When Jesus utters these words, he obviously hasn't gone to the cross yet, right? But the cross in, in, that, in that present day and time, it was a scary place. The blessing for you and for me is today we understand the complete revelation of what Jesus fulfilled. Does it make it any less scary? No, but in reality, it kind of does. Because we have a tendency to forget what Jesus did for us. There is nothing cushy about your cross. <laughs> Jesus implies that we all have one. To bear. And I'm talking about a sacrifice. I'm not talking about reading your Bible and praying and being nice to others. Those are not sacrifices. Those are necessities that you need to do every single day. If you're looking at those things as a sacrifice, something's wrong. I'm talking about the sacrifice of being a godly husband, which I at times struggle with. I'm talking about being a godly wife. And what that means. I'm talking about being a godly father. And the love and the sacrifice and the care that it's going to take. Can you take shortcuts? Yeah. But is it God's plan and purpose? No. These are the types of sacrifices I'm talking about. God said, love your wife. Forgive your wife. And we want to hold grudges. When I refuse to take up my cross, Jesus says, you may not be mine. I have to love his life so much that I enter into his life. Watch this. And if you can get past you and enter into him, he'll give you the strength to do the thing that seems impossible to you. And when I do that, I experience life abundant, life eternal, supernatural life. There's nothing cushy about your cross. Think about the cross cross. There was nothing cushy about what Jesus did. And shouldn't there be shared suffering? We're going to talk about that today. To experience shared glory, there has to be a shared suffering. Right? I just finished a book titled Unless We Pray by Todd Smith. And I actually, we, me and Pastor Keith, gave that as homework to some of our leaders in the church. Great book. If you don't got nothing good to read, it's titled, Unless We Pray by Todd Smith. It'll be the best book you read this year. But in the beginning of that book, he, he's also a, a pastor, and he talks about when he baptizes folks, he has this little saying that he says, before he baptizes them, he says, die well. Say that with me. Die well. And isn't that what baptism is all about? Where we're signifying that I go into the water, an old man, an old woman. But I come out of the water alive in Christ. I put to death my sin, my shame, my transgressions, my sorrow, my history, my past. And then I come to life. How do you experience eternal life other than faith? You're one day going to have to physically 
die. A couple of y'all are following along with me. I hope I'm not this isn't bad preaching. Before you can experience eternal life, you're going to one day have to. Isn't it amazing how for us to experience spiritual life, the equation is the same. We have to die. Die well. Stay dead in you so that you can arise in life with him. Come on, somebody. For life, for life. You get life, for life, by faith. Right? Look at that next point. So to experience life, you are going to have to be in a daily relationship. Religion is not going to get you into heaven. If you just show up and go to church every Sunday and you stand for a credit, I went to church every Sunday. I'm a good person. I did this. I did that. If you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not experience life. So there's something we have to do. How do I cultivate my faith? How do I cultivate my relationship? Right? God requires daily sacrifice for our daily relationship. Revisiting the cross reminds us of God's eternal commitment to us. So I want you to write this question down. Am I as committed to God as he is to me? That's a profound question. Am I as committed to him as he is to me every single day? Our faith requires a life sentence. I don't believe Jesus left anything out on the cross. He literally poured every ounce of love, mercy, grace, faith, love, joy, all of it. He didn't withhold. If we're all being honest, none of us are as committed to him as he is to us. I can commit to God on the good days. Or when it's really bad and I really need his help, then I can commit to him. But through the, the mundane of life and the greatness of life and maybe the Mondays through the Thursdays, it's kind of gray and I'm kind of just on autopilot going through the motions. If I'm really honest, I'm probably not as committed to him as he is to me. In Romans it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus still chose Judas even when he knew that he was going to betray him because he is that committed to you. He knew you'd reject him for your first 21 years of your life. He knew you were going to choose your addiction over him. He knew you were going to choose your sin over him. And Jesus on the cross still said yes. So when I revisit that revelation and try to wrap my mind and my heart around the love of God that is that real and that tangible, do you think something on the inside should begin to motivate me and you to want to give him my best? Because if he did that for me, that means there's a responsibility and authority that God has placed over each and every single person. None of us, in reality, really deserve the responsibility of the kingdom of God. Wrap your mind around that today. Jesus has entrusted the responsibility of his message and the kingdom of God and the abundancy and the eternal life, the abundant life, 
and granted it to you. Are you doing anything with it? Did you use it just to get your get out of free uh, of hell card? Got my fire insurance. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Now I'm just going to sit and wait till he comes back. What a waste. Your salvation moment is a starting place for God to write your story. If he's given us responsibility and authority, that means every single person has a different job, a different task, a different plan, a different purpose. And he needs you to step into that thing, that mantle that only was created by him for you. There are people that only you can reach. There are things within the church that only you can do. And he wants you by faith to move into that place. To trust him, trust his leadership, trust his ways. They'll be on. You're never going to have all the answers to all your questions, but as you begin along this path, he'll begin to confirm that you're doing the right thing. As he blesses our faith and our obedience. Our faith requires a life sentence. Can you be committed to him beyond the good moments and the bad moments and the, the area of life that God wants to move in. He needs your permission. He needs your access. That level of access that you grant him is a level of access that you receive from him. And if you think about, we're, we're talking about relationship now. Every relationship is going to require sacrifice. Think of some of your best relationships. Some of your most favorite, maybe, relationships. You enjoy the relationships where the other person makes you feel what? Special, right? The other person is sacrificing and meeting your needs. The sad thing is, the world says, love that person until they, you know, don't make you feel loved anymore. And because they don't make you feel loved anymore, well, then find somebody else. So we've lowered the standard of what God wants to do again. But I just say that to say, we enjoy the relationships where the other person is serving and meeting my needs. Not just to serve me my needs, but because they genuinely love me. Our relationship with God is no different. He's met all your needs already on the cross. But daily, he wants to continue to meet and serve your needs. But we, by faith, we have to initiate that relationship. Because Jesus, he's not here. Where is he? He's seated at the right hand of God. Where? In heaven, actually praying, interceding for you so that you would choose faith today. The only key that we have here on earth is what? The Holy Spirit that Jesus sent us. And if we can tap into the Holy Spirit, we can, that's how you stay as committed to him as he is to you, by the Holy Spirit. If you can tap into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he'll speak for Jesus He'll speak for the Father, and he'll never lead you astray. Amen. Look at that next point. Kind of touched on this already a little bit. The revelation of Christ crucified captivates us to enter into his life by the crucifying of our own. Look at that last point there. Our shared suffering declares we are his. 
It's at the cross, upon that revelation of Christ crucified, that he transforms us, that he changes us, where we stay in this thankful place. The Lord was showing me, when we behold him, thank God he's not stuck on the cross, right? Because on the third day, he rose, he lives. So the point is not to keep Jesus on the cross, okay? We know he lives, and there's a promise of life, but for him to give the authority to grant that eternal life and that abundant life, he first had to die. He had to go. Upon that revelation, when we behold Christ to that standard that he fulfilled his purpose and his plan, what that does is we understand spiritually that there is a shared suffering. Not only has Jesus declared that I'm the son of God, all his promises are yes and amen in and through me, but by his very own words, he's saying, I'm on a cross and you're going to be on a cross too. Those are some painful words. I want his life, but Jesus, that cross, I have to die to self. It's painful. I can imagine what the disciples thought. Peter denied him three times. I'll never deny you, Jesus. He'll be denying me three times before the rooster crows. Why did he deny him? The reality of the cross. I wonder how many people are maybe on the fence. You know what? I, I might try this Jesus guy. I'll try this relationship. Then, 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 then they, they snap too and they think, well, man, that means I got to quit drinking. I got to quit watching pornography. I got to quit smoking weed. I got I to gotta be nice to people. I got to clean up some areas in my life and live for Jesus, you're going to have to bear a cross. If you want his life, you want a sentence of eternal life, abundant life, you have to die to self. And this is the gospel, y'all. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is the gospel. Look at Romans 8, 16 through 17. We talked about the Holy Spirit, right? What does it say there? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are... In a roundabout way, let me stop for a second preach. In a roundabout way, if we're God's children, what does that mean? It means we are his possession. Are you God's possession? Are you an instrument of righteousness available to speak on his behalf in your home? at work? Do you go where God says go? Do you not go where God says do not go? Because I don't know about you, I own a lot of stuff. I like the stuff that I own to do what it's supposed to do. When I turn the TV on, I hope it works. When I start my car, I hope it cranks. When I use the water faucet, I hope that it, it lets out water. If you're a child of God, when he wants to use you, he hopes and prays that you work the way he ordained you to function, to live, to operate. Look at verse 17. Now, if we are his children, look at this. Then we're heirs of God. Think how cool that is. If we belong to Jesus, you are the uh, son of the king of kings. Come on, somebody. You are royalty. You are heirs, joint heirs of the kingdom of God, right? And co-heirs with Christ. <laughs> if indeed we share in his 
suffering in order that we may share in his to experience his life, to experience his glory, I have to share in his suffering. Look at that next point. There's a life sentence awaiting all who are willing to die for Christ. If you daily can die well. John the Baptist said this to Jesus when he baptized him. He said, I, I must decrease so that he can increase. That has to be our daily prayer. More of you, Jesus, and less of me. If, if, if we uh, can do that every single day, there's a life sentence awaiting all who are willing to make that choice, make that decision. To live, we must die on the cross. Christ gave his everything, look at this, to all. He gave his everything to all so that all can have everything. Y'all say it with me. Everything. Christ gave his all so that for all, so that all could have everything. The blessings, the faith, the healings, the... I don't want today to, to, for it to appear that as if, you, if you're not suffering all the time, every second of every hour, every day, they're not living for Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But, but what I am saying is there's this element, I feel... Where, where, where Christians, you know what, if you live for Jesus, you will have an, a good life, right? You, you will have an amazing spouse, an amazing, uh, hopefully, uh, house, family, car, right? But if you're not careful, you can get sucked into this, this way of the world where I have the appearance of a blessed life, and I, I am blessed, but I've lost touch I've lost sight of what it really means, and I'm, I, I, there, there's nothing cushy about my, there's everything cushy about my cross. I go to church, I, I pay my tithes, I, I say yes, yes and amen to the pastor, and I'm going through the, the, through the motions, right, but I'm really lukewarm. I have the blessed life, but I've lost touch and sight of why I'm blessed. Come on, somebody. And so there has to be an initiation of some type of suffering, some way that you can, by faith, give your all to God. What's one of the best opportunities you can do to do that? Get plugged in to a healthy home church and get connected and to begin serving in your gifts, talents, and the things that God has given you that only you have where you can begin to give back. And believe me, ministry is the most amazing thing that I do, but there's plenty of suffering <laughs> in ministering to people. I see hurting, broken people. Talk with them, meet with them, find out what's going on behind the scenes in their life. There's a lot of suffering, shared suffering. There's a lot of suffering involved when you Pour your heart out to somebody that you love and trust, and then they hurt you the most. Every single person is called to ministry. Not just the pastor, not just the worship team. There is a place on God's team for you. I need some running backs, I need some quarterbacks, I need some receivers. Hey, I need a center, a right guard, left guard. 
I need a defense, some linebackers, some corners. I know some of y'all ladies are like, what is he talking about? I need some cheerleaders. There is a spot for you. Amen. If you are not plugged in serving somewhere, come see me. Come see Pastor Jessica. We'll do whatever we can to help you get plugged in. Skip down to John 10. I got three verses I want to read you real quick. John 10, 17 and 18. I just want to reaffirm that point that we just read. To live we must die, right? I'm a cross. Christ gave his everything to all so that all could have everything. Look what he said about the cross. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life. We know that to be true, right? So I may take it up again. He has the authority to relinquish and release eternal life. No one can take it from me. I sacrificed it what? Voluntarily. He freely chose your life over his. He would die so that you could live. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it back up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Look at John 15, 11 through 13. I've told you these things so that you will be filled. Say that with me. Filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The day I gave my life to Jesus, I had joy overflowing because I was that lost. I was that close to death. And to understand that God loved me so much, it was was eye-opening, spirit awakening. It was, I was dead now I'm now I have life. I was sentenced to death. Now I'm sentenced to life. I was blind, but now I could see. Joy. Jesus purchased our joy, y'all, on the cross. He purchased your joy. If you don't have any joy, are you in a relationship with God? Because he purchased it. Look at verse 12. This is my command. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to what? Lay down one's life for one's friends. To experience life, I have to die to self. And to experience life, I have to lay my life down onto him and to others. <laughs> the real message of the Gospels, more than prosperity, right? A genuine heart that you love God so much that you actually respect your brother. You actually love your neighbor. I lay my life down. Not just for those that I love. I'm about to step on some toes. For those Judases in your life. Jesus sat and had dinner with Judas, knowing he was going to go betray him for 20 pieces of silver. He laid his life down, not just for John, the disciple that claims was the one Jesus loved. Talk about a humble brag, right? Writing about himself. John, the disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Not only did Jesus come to die for John, Jesus came to die for Jesus. Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live, someone say live, by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. I want to go back to possession. Possession means you belong. When you've been ransomed, when God owns you, it means you belong in his house, in his kingdom, at his table, in his church, with his family. Verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh 
How do I have to prove to God that I belong? You got to take up your cross. You have to die. We want to prove to God that we belong by how good I can pray. Or how good I can, or how much I can read my word. Or how many Sundays I can offer up at church. You prove to God you belong by the flesh that you crucify. Life sentence. If you can do that, you can experience life because possession means you belong. Go to that last point today. We live by and are led by the Spirit of God. Belonging to Christ means you have been sentenced to life. For life can I get an amen. We deserved a death sentence, but instead we received a life sentence. Look at Romans 6, 22 through 23. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do these things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. To experience eternal life, I got to turn from my wicked ways. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Christ Jesus, who the Son sets is free indeed. Are there any lifers in the house? I asked you already. Go, don't be shy. Just a couple of you. That's fine. I know this about lifers. Lifers are not drifters. What do I mean by that? When God saved me and set me free, I want to stay as close to the person who set me free as possible. If you read your Bible in, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers. He heals them. Ten lepers, don't know him from nothing. Well, he knew him as he created him. Guess how many came back to thank him? How many? One. Some of y'all read your word. Out of ten that experienced the, the wholeness, the blessing of God, ten. They had leprosy. We don't see, see people have leprosy very rarely these day and ages. You were shunned. That was the worst of the worst. Jesus heals them. Supernatural blessing, manifestation of the love of God. And one comes back. That one was a lifer. He was going to be thankful till the day he died so that after that, he could experience life. And the rest of the nine, they weren't lifers. They were drifters. They maybe stayed excited about their healing for a day, for a week, and they celebrated. But along the way, they forgot who healed them. So I wonder... We have 16 people in here. I wonder how many lifers we really have. And I wonder how many drifters we have. If God is the source to make him everything, right? If 
you've lost sight, if you forgot of how blessed you are, you're blessed. God loves you. You do have an amazing life. Even though it may not appear so, maybe in this moment, maybe you're going through something tough. Hear me. If you have the revelation that God loves you through the cross, you are blessed. And to stay the course, to experience a life sentence and not a death sentence, you got to stay as close to Jesus as physically possible. And you do that through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all join me as we close in prayer. Sorry I went a little long today. <clears throat> kind of got real in here today. Ain't that how church is supposed to be? Lord, I thank you for this word, and I pray that it stirs up. I pray that we see that relationship is not just religion. It's, it's not... I, I pray that a relationship with you would be real. I pray that it would be real, so real, that when we, we would be terrified to make you disappointed. That we would be terrified to say no in the face of God. If there's something you're trying to cultivate in us, I pray by faith we would answer and say yes according to your word and according to your spirit and what it says. No matter how hard it may seem or how painful it may look, that we would take up our cross. Jesus has, we just read over and over and over again. You are the God of prosperity, but you want to prosper us through the desert places. You don't call us to go around the desert place. You call us to go through the desert place. So Heavenly Father, I pray no matter where we're at today that we would lay our lives down, that we'd behold you, and that we would say yes. If you're in a relationship with God and you know you're blessed today, and I'm not saying you have a perfect life, but you're, you're engaged in that relationship with him today, I want you to pray for the lost right now, please. So many people out there lost just going through life, clinging to their life, not even worried about God's life, and one day, the only life that matters, they'll be missing out. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ian, ah, I'm a mess. I, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know up from down. I just know I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I'm confused. I need help. If that's you today, I want you to know you are in the right place. You are right where you're supposed to be today. And God wants to do something in you right now. If you want to take this moment, this opportunity to get right with God, I want you right now just lift your hand up real high. I want you to stand up. Amen. People standing. Amen. Stay standing and just listen to my voice. If you want to get right with God, now's your moment. Don't lie to yourself and say that, yeah, I'll get right later, tomorrow, the next day, because they may not come. And I want to say, if you have the faith today to stand up, thank you. I want to say to you, die well. Today is your death day so that you can experience a life sentence. Come on, somebody. If you're joining us online and you want to pray this, put something in the chat so we can see you. And man, if you still to raise your hand, I'm asking you to go ahead and take your seat. I want to lead us all in a prayer. Thank you so much for having the faith to do that. Kingdom of God growing by one today in Jesus' name. Repeat after me, loud and proud today. Heaven the Father. God, we love you. 
forgive me for falling short and for my sins and for my past. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort me, lead me, and guide me in all my ways and on my path to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We were a little sparse today on a rainy day, but who's glad you came? Amen. I hope you're glad you came. We're glad you came too, okay? We love you very much. Y'all are dismissed. Tell somebody bye on your way out, and be safe and enjoy your Sunday. Come back and see us next week.